We welcome you to our Bible study as the radio Bible class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio and Twitter with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Are You Stuck? And it comes from Psalms 36, 7 through 9. Now Christian radio is not free. If you enjoy this radio ministry, your offering to this ministry will aid in the expense of keeping the radio Bible class on the air as a witness for Jesus. We live in a hurting world where there are souls that need to hear Jesus' message of hope and grace. Won't you help spread the good news? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648, and there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Or send us your gift to Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift to Word Talk, Inc. is IRS-approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. If you'd like to go back and listen to one of our previous lessons, you can do that by visiting our Facebook page. That's www.facebook.com slash Radio Bible Class with no spaces between Radio Bible Class. That's www.facebook.com slash Radio Bible Class with no spaces. Now, if you've listened to the Radio Bible Class very long, you probably picked up that God gives me ideas for these lessons in some unique ways. One of those is through movies. I enjoy watching a good movie as much as the next person, but sometimes while watching a movie, God will put a thought in my mind on how I can use it to teach one of these lessons. Over the Christmas holidays, I was watching a movie late one night called Groundhog Day when the idea of this lesson just struck me. Have you ever seen the movie Groundhog Day? Phil Connors is played by Bill Murray, and he gets caught up in this time loop where he lives the same day over and over again. It starts off with him giving a forecast to his Pittsburgh viewers that a bad winter storm is coming, but it's going to miss him. I mean, he's the weatherman. He should know. He then heads off that evening with his news producer and his cameraman to Punxsawanee, Pennsylvania, to cover Groundhog Day. He wakes up on February 2nd to Sonny and Cher's song, I've Got You, Babe, playing on his clock radio there in the bed and breakfast. He makes a half-hearted report on Puxawani Field and all the festivities of that day. And he feels like he's in Hicksville. I mean, why would he have to come here? Now, the blizzard that he said would miss Pennsylvania winds up hitting, and it strands them in this hick town. So he decides to go to bed early. He wakes up the next morning, or so he thinks the next day, and that same Sonny and Cher song is playing, I've Got You, Babe, and he hears the same declaration to his horror. It's Groundhog Day. Now, as he goes through the day, he finds everything repeats exactly as it did the day before. By the end of the day, he thinks it's all a bad dream, so he goes to bed early again. He wakes up again only to find that same Sonny and Cher song playing again and the same Groundhog Declaration. He's found himself trapped. He's stuck in this time loop, and no one else seems to be aware of it. He realizes that there's no consequences for his actions, so he uses several of these days or these time loops for bad behavior like binge drinking and a one-night stand and various dangerous driving where he almost kills himself. Like most people, though, he finally feels that he's stuck with the same old routine and he becomes depressed. His depression then takes him to a point of committing suicide several times, but no matter what, even with suicide, he still wakes up to, I got you, babe, in that declaration of Groundhog Day, February 2nd. 
Maybe you found yourself at some point in your life going in a cycle, doing the same old routine. You know what I mean. Each day, each week, each month, each year seems to be like the last one and nothing's changed. This time of year can feel a bit like going around in a circle too. It's the same thing every year from Thanksgiving to New Year. On Thanksgiving, you get together with family and friends and you probably eat the same thing that you ate the year before. The day after giving thanks for all the blessings, millions of people go out shopping and they stand outside sometimes most of the night in line waiting for hours to save money to buy more things to be thankful for. Why? Because what we have isn't enough. Some of you are thinking, well, I got some really good deals. But you'd have to admit, it's a little crazy on the busiest shopping day of the year following Thanksgiving. That special shopping day starts the four-week dash to Christmas with a lot more shopping, a lot more cards, cookies, parties, and all other Christmas events. Now, don't get me wrong. All of this is normally lots of fun, and I enjoy it all. Then, finally, we get some quiet time on Christmas Day that we can just let it all sink in. Now, hopefully, you're like me, and you enjoy a lighter week, or even you take the week off between Christmas and New Year's. But then New Year's hit. And we make resolutions and the cycle starts all over again. This time of year, there's a lot of people that have family tradition or routines that they go through through the holidays. I don't want to be the bad guy. Routines can be our friend. Doctors tell us that it's good for us to have a consistent routine and habits. For example, it's better for us to go to bed and get up at the same time every day. It's easier to create a good habit by eating and exercising at the same time every day. These routines help us live better and we feel better. Now, while routines are beneficial and helpful, getting in a rut is not. And you may ask, what's the difference between a routine and a rut? Well, a routine helps us to be at our best, while a rut or that feeling of being stuck prevents us from moving forward. Having routines like eating and exercising and sleeping and reading your Bible and praying on a consistent basis helps us to be healthier and better people. But ruts do not. They steal our happiness. They keep us from moving forward with our life. As we go into the new year, I feel like the Lord's laid this idea of getting stuck as a word to someone. They need to get out of that same old routine. God has told you to do something. You've been putting it off long enough. He's saying, go forward, move on. You've circled around long enough. Now let's look at our text from Psalms 36, 7 through 9. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on your abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, in the light do we see. The psalmist starts off with God, your faithful love your precious loving kindness, your priceless, precious, unfailing, steadfast love is what we take our refuge in under the shadow of your wing. I've asked this question several times during several of my lessons, but I'll ask it again. Do you trust God? Do you really believe that God is good all the time and all the time God is good? This sounds really good. It may make you feel spiritual to declare it when people are around, but when there's no one around, do you still really believe it? I think there are three things that I'd like to show you today on how we get unstuck. First, we have to change our perspective. A lot of times we feel we are stuck in the same old routine. We feel that God is not around. We feel all alone. We feel like everything is going the wrong way and the enemy's winning. 
These are the times that our faith and what we trust in comes out. For example, when life happens, I mean, like your child gets sick running a fever. I mean, you have more bills at the end of the month than money. To make matters worse, you got passed over for that promotion again that was going to make your job something besides a four-letter word. It's during times like these that we find it difficult to remember God's goodness. It's hard to see his steadfast love. But it's in these times we have to reach down in what we know and not what we feel and walk in faith declaring that no matter what, God is good. We have to walk in the promises of the Bible just like what Jesus promised in Matthew 28:20, 20, that he is always with us, even to the end of the age. And in Romans 8:28, which says that God works all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it tells us that he has a good plan for us. He has a plan that gives us hope and a future. So let me ask that question again. Where do you put your trust? I mean, are you putting your trust in God? Are you taking refuge in Him? Each of us have a calling, a call of God on our life. God calls different people to different vocations. He may have called you to be in business, maybe the medical field, possibly work with animals, or maybe to be a stay-at-home mom and raise your family. God knows all about us, and He knows what's best for us. He has given you your abilities and he wants us to use them for his kingdom, for his plan that is a hope and a future that Jeremiah 29 11 talks about. All this gives us our value and our purpose for his kingdom and his plan for us to move his kingdom forward. So there's a calling on your life individually. Now what we don't always remember or we don't understand is that there's also a calling that are true for all of us. For example, we're all called to go and tell, spread the good news of Jesus. Now, this is a calling that each of us have, no matter what your individual calling or your unique gifting is. Another one of those callings from God that you may not think of as a calling is to keep moving forward. Now, you find this throughout the Bible. God tells his people to keep moving and to go and do. And you might be thinking, well, Tim, how do you come up with this out of Psalms 36, 7, 9? Well, let me show you that. Look with me at verse 8 and 9. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delight. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see the light. And you probably still don't see it. Look at the three things that are in these two verses. There's river, there's fountain, and life. And even though all these are different things, they have one thing in common. They have a common denominator. That's that they're only true when they're moving. Now think about it. If a river isn't flowing, it isn't a river. It's a lake. By its very definition, a river is only a river when it's moving. So we agree that a river is always flowing and it's moving forward. Now what does a fountain do? It's always moving upward. My parents had this fountain in front of their home and for it to work, the water has to be pulled up and it has to flow out the top. It has to burst out the top. Think about Las Vegas and the famous dancing fountains in front of the Bellagio. They're always bursting through the water and they're moving up. If a fountain isn't springing upward, then it would be called a well or a pool of water or a pond. So a river moves forward, a fountain springs upward, and light only expands outward. Now light can't do anything other than that. It only radiates an illumination outward. And again, the absence of light is what? A black hole. 
And God uses these descriptions to talk about his nature and his kingdom. The realization I hope you have today is that he is always trying to have you move forward, come upward, and expand outward. I hope you're seeing this kingdom principle that God is always moving and he's designed us to move with him. Now, if you make an agreement with the enemy about a sense of, of confinement, that's not true because that's not part of the principle. One of the things that I've told you over the past year is that we are never complete in our walk with God. There's not an end. You can't learn all you're going to learn. I don't care how long you serve the Lord. I don't care how many theology degrees you have. When you think you've learned all there is to learn about God, you've brought yourself to a place of confinement. And we have to be very careful with this because our knowledge can make us proud. 1 Corinthians 8, 1, knowledge puffs us up, but love builds up. God wants us to grow and move in our relationship with him forward, and that's part of our spiritual maturity. So the kingdom works this way about moving forward, upward, and outward. And if there's any area of your life that you feel that has quit moving or isn't the process of moving, then that's an area that you've allowed the enemy to come in and deceive you. You've agreed with the enemy that this area isn't under God's authority any longer. There are a lot of things that can happen to us in life. I mean, there's just a lot of tough life circumstances that happen, and it seems to knock our legs from right under us. I mean, it could be a serious sickness. It could be a loss of a job, and that, might, and that may not be your fault. They may have just shut the business down. Whatever the reason, we let these circumstances start to define us. We forget who we are and whose we are, and we accept a false confinement. Understand God's kingdom is always moving forward. So the reality is this. You can never stay in one place with God. You're either moving closer with him or you're moving away from him. Even if you feel like you're not moving, God is. So you're getting further away from him. Now moving away from God doesn't mean that he doesn't accept you and he's not pleased with you. It means there are things in your life he wants to do, but you aren't aligned with him. It means there are things that God needs to be Lord over. God never forces himself on you. It's always an invitation. The whole story of grace is about an invitation. The invitation is always there through grace, but it takes faith to accept it. You have to yield to his lordship and you have to walk with him. Back to this thought, though, the, about the kingdom is never stuck. When you feel stuck, then you bought into an illusion of the enemy. The illusion is that you think you're stuck. Now, I'm not going to tell you that you don't feel stuck. You most likely really do. If we're all honest, there's been times in our life where we felt stuck. We felt trapped, like there's no way out, but really this is only an illusion. Let me give you an example of this. Have you ever gone to the beach and looked out on the horizon? Do you know that the horizon is an illusion? The horizon may look fixed, but it's not. If you were to get in a boat and go to that point that you can see, guess what? The horizon is further out. My point is this, there's going to be times in our life when we feel stuck. You think you're trapped and there's no way out, but that's just an illusion. Even the universe that God made is expanding itself. Now, I'm not going to try to turn this into some science lesson, but everything is moving. There's only one thing that is fixed, and that's the speed of light in the universe. If you took science in high school, you learned that the speed of light moves at 186,282 miles per second, and in theory, there's nothing that can travel faster than light. 
Now here's a neat thought as I was writing this lesson. The one thing in the universe that is fixed, the one constant in the universe is light, and God said it is like him. God said, I am light. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everything else is moving, but light is the only constant in the universe at 186, 282 miles per second, and it's fixed. I'm not trying to make your head spin on some science stuff, but there's things that happen in our life. There are limitations that we've allowed and we've bought into. Those limitations are self-imposed because you believe them, but in reality, they're an illusion. As long as you're in Christ, you're never stuck. You're never trapped. You're never in a place where it can be changed. The enemy wants you to buy into that illusion. He wants you to believe because that mistake in your past, your future is fixed. He wants you to believe because what you've done, you are no longer worthy. You're no longer matter. Your future is ruined. Now, if you buy into his lies, then you're putting a self-imposed limitation on your life. Do you remember what the angel Gabriel told Mary in Luke 137 that we studied about three weeks ago? For nothing is impossible with God. Now let me stop and ask, do you really believe that today? Do you really believe that nothing is impossible with God? How big is your God? Then don't just say it, but live it out. Quit buying into the enemy's lies and putting self-imposed limitations on yourself. Change your perspective. Start seeing things as God sees them, and you'll see that there's no limitation, and there's always hope for your future. The challenge is to dream and not accept the lie, but the easy thing to do is to become complacent. The question is, how do you keep dreaming when you feel like you're in a place of captivity? And the psalmist wrote about this. Look at Psalms 126, 1 and 2. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with sounds of joy. Now look, it says, when the Lord brought back the Israelites to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. They were filled with laughter and joy. Now this should teach us that we need to keep dreaming. The problem is that when we accept the lies, when we put ourselves in a self-imposed limitation, we quit dreaming. Bill Murray and Groundhog Day was like most people. After feeling stuck for a period of time, he became depressed and he gave up. Feeling stuck robs us of our happiness. Feeling stuck robs us of our hope. We give up our dreams and we become complacent. We give up because we feel powerless and we think that Something else is controlling this, and now we're captive to it. We just stop dreaming. If we truly believe that nothing is impossible with God and we are his children, and if we believe that God is good and only wants the best for us, then we have to dream with him. When we feel captive and stuck, we have to ask him, God, what is your dream in this? God, how do you see this? God, my marriage looks like this to me, but how do you see it? God, I don't see a way out of this, but how do you see this? We have to pray that God will restore the dream he's given us, and we have to get up every day and tell ourselves, I'm a child of God. He's going to make lemonade out of these lemons. God, I've given it all to you, and I'm moving forward with you. I don't care if it takes five days, five months, five years. I'm going to walk with you in faith. And it's our natural response to want to give up, but you, you can't be complacent by giving up. This past fall, I went to the Mercy House Teen Challenge Banquet. Mercy House is a men's ministry that accepts men who have an addiction problem and have become stuck. 
These are men that society and even most of their families have given up on. Mercy House uses God's love and his word to show them how to become unstuck. I heard multiple testimonies on that night about men who had lost everything to drug and alcohol. But after coming to Mercy House and being introduced to Christ, after giving their life to Christ and learning how to live out his word every day, what seemed to be a limitation, what seemed to have them stuck, what they overcame was when they aligned their hope and their future and their dream with God. They learned how to see God's dream for them and not believe the lies that the enemy was telling them. I challenge you today, don't become complacent. Don't accept where you are. Connect with God's dream. When you start dreaming on God's promises, when you start dreaming his dreams, that puts you into his will and puts you into his river, his fountain, and his life. All of a sudden, you start seeing things. Even though they may be small at first, you start seeing things move forward. You start noticing things moving upward, and you see his goodness start expanding outward. But it takes you saying, God, I'm not giving up on this dream that you've given me. God, I'm holding on to the promises of your word. God, I'm going to die to myself, take up the cross and follow you. That's how you become unstuck because there's nothing impossible with God. If you don't believe me, let me show you some examples of people in the Bible who connected with God to fulfill their purpose. Look with me at Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. See, God tells Abraham to go, to leave his safety, to leave his relatives, to leave his country, all that he knew, and go. God told Abram to go, move forward, upward, and expand. It could be said that Abram was where it was most comfortable. He had his family. He knew everyone, but God tells him to give it all up and go. I know what you're thinking. Tim, it doesn't seem like Abram was stuck. Sometimes we may not realize we're stuck because we're comfortable. Abram had to give up his comfort to stay in God's will. And there's Christians that find it hard to move forward with God because they enjoy their safe, happy place. Let me tell you this. There's no safer place than in the will of God. I'll repeat that for you. There's no safer place than in the will of God. Now let me give you another example. Look with me at Deuteronomy 1, 6, and 7. The Lord our God said to us in Herod, you stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country, to the Amorites and to all their neighbors in Arab, in the hill country and in the lowlands and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and the Lebanon and far beyond the great rivers of the river Euphrates. God says to Moses and the Israelites, go, you stayed long enough at this mountain. God's telling you today, you've dwelt long enough. Now get going. It's time for you to move forward. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you've been at a bad mountain. Just like Abram, it's time for you to move forward. Maybe you've been in a bad place, so you do need to move forward. Either way, God is saying, keep moving. You've been here long enough. You've learned what you needed to learn from this spot. Now move forward. Another example is in Joshua 1, 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise and go over to Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, the people of Israel. The Lord tells Joshua to arise and go. 
Isn't it just like God to have the children of Israel to have to cross a river to get through the promised land? The River Jordan. When we're talking about a river is always moving, they had to move. If you go on to read Joshua 1, he accepts the invitation and says, we'll do whatever you command us. We'll go wherever you send us. See, Joshua knew it was going to take a reconnecting with God's dream and his promise, and he had to have his perspective to get the Israelites unstuck into the promised land. My last example is Paul, Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I'm moving towards an upward call. He's forgotten what lies behind him and he's moving forward and what lies ahead. He's pressing towards the prize of God's upward call. Paul shows us that we all have a call to move forward and upward. I believe God is telling us today it's time to move forward. It might be scary. It may seem rocky, but if we're aligned with our dream to God's dream, then we're moving in His will. And when we're in His will, we're in the safest place we can be. So don't let fear of moving hold you back from what God's called you to do. Let me close with this final question. What place are you stuck in? Are you stuck in a place of addiction? Is it a place of unyielded sin in your life? Is it a place of hurt? Is it a place of rejection? Maybe you're stuck because you've let your dream go and all you can see is despair. Whatever the reason you're stuck, quit buying into the illusion the enemy has you believing. Jesus is offering you an invitation today, just like Abraham and Moses and Joshua and Paul. He has a fountain springing upward. He has a river moving forward. He has his light expanding outward. And he's reaching out his hand saying, let me help you get unstuck. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and we thank you for this lesson. Lord, I thank you that you show us that you have a river that is flowing and that we can move forward with it. Lord, that you have a fountain that's bursting upward, and Lord, you want us to be working upward as well. And Lord, that your light expands outward. And Lord, we are to be like Jesus, and we are to expand your kingdom forward and outward. Lord, let us understand we need to change the perspective. Lord, we understand that this is a calling that all of us have. We're all to be moving forward and moving your kingdom with us. Lord, let us not buy into the illusion that, that the devil would have us believe. Lord, that something in our past, something that we've done for some part of our life is not worthy of you so therefore we're stuck there but lord let us turn that over to you today if lord let us not lose our dream but let us align our dream with your dream lord align our will with your will let us walk in the holy spirit with you lord and last that we would connect our purpose and we would be like the examples of the bible lord that we would walk with you and we would accept that invitation Lord, if there's one today that realizes that there's an area or part of their life that they are stuck in, Lord, I ask that they would turn it to you today. Lord, that they would give it over to you and that they would let you be Lord of that area and they would repent and turn it. Lord, maybe there's one that doesn't realize they're stuck. Maybe they don't realize they're not saved. Right now, Lord, I ask that they would turn their life to you. Lord, they would ask you to come into their life, 
Lord, they would ask for you to be Lord of their life. Lord, they would confess you before man. Lord, we thank you for your steadfast love and goodness toward us. We're going to give you all the honor and glory, and we'll pray this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen.